Hey, how's it going? I'm Billy. And I'm Jen. And you are listening to Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. How are uh, you? Cheers, babe. Ah, cheers. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. Good morning, good evening, and good night. Wait, I don't know. It's off a movie. I'm trying to... Well, I'm looking forward to this little <laughs> chat. Oh, you are? As I'm, I'm holding the uh, Sweet Serenity coffee cup. Okay. Well, I hope you're drinking coffee wherever you're at. We love coffee. Jesus and coffee are almost synonymous in our household. I think... A good cup of coffee just kind of makes life's problems go away. It truly anyways. does. Yeah. So, welcome to Coffee Talk with Billy and Jennifer. Welcome. <laughs> welcome on this cold, winter, beautiful... It's actually not raining in Seattle today, which is a bit of a miracle. But it was raining the other day. We should tell them. We should tell the listeners uh, what happened to us It wasn't just recently. raining. You know, Seattle just kind of sprinkles all the time. It was pouring on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, One we of the worst the nights I've had probably all year. Really? Uh, personally, it was a, it was a rough, it was a rough night. Uh, we were at the gym. We were working out because we we do that from time to time. I, I teach Jen a few things about <laughs> the gym and fitness. Okay, um, I'm just schooling her. But you know, she learned a lot from good. me. I mean, you are good. You did the leg press the other day, and I don't know. Was there like eight forty five plates on? I mean, if we're going to be technical, four there on were each sixteen. Side? Oh, there was eight on each side. Yeah, I'm. Did all the beefheads walk up to you and check you out? They were checking. I you don't out. know what a beefhead is. Okay, <laughs> like you know the gym rats. Am I a beefhead? Because uh, no. I, you know, they're all the the guys who grunt really loud when they lift weights. Like it's just oh, obnoxious. Man. Can we talk about Have you ever second? been in the gym? Hey, and- dude, this isn't your bathroom. And Stop they're grunting, grunting as they lift 75. Or, you know, one guy was lifting, I think, a 35-pounder. Can, can I make like him real quick? And it was... like, <laughs> That's probably really loud God, in the listeners' ears. Like, you're not alone. And they drop the weight so loud that you're like, is that necessary? Like, come on, buddy. Like, do you want the whole gym to just notice you? Uh, anyway. Okay, if you're listening and you're that guy, uh, Jesus Maybe calm you. it down a little bit. Maybe tone it back. Just a little bit. Anyways, we're at the gym. We go in, and we, it was night. We came out, and it's pouring rain. We rushed our car. It was a car. great night. We had worked all day. We were excited to go to work out together. It was around Only 7.30. Only to find the passenger side window smashed in, completely shattered. When we got out, when we came out of the gym. That's what I said. Oh, okay. I thought you said we were going into the gym. <laughs> no, babe. I need you to stay with me. We're, I need <laughs> you to track with me. In. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling the story. And they, they broke our window and had stolen your purse. And I didn't have my purse just sitting out on the back seat. Did you? It, I don't know. It was tucked you under. You say that, but I wonder if I it was I know out for a fact, open. all ladies and gentlemen, it was tucked under the driver's side back seat, kind of underneath. I mean, you would have seen it a little bit if you I'm had really give you looked. That, but I wonder if in heaven it was when we my watch go-to. this back. You could ask Victoria when we go to the gym, we tuck our purses cards in the back. Out saying, okay. "Steal me, please." But they would have had to really look in that wind. Yeah, window. they're tinted windows. Yeah, it just it's it's Jen's new car, you know, and it's just a car. But it was it really messed with us. First of all, it's pouring rain. We had to call the police. We had to. We, you tried to call and cancel the credit cards. It, they put you on hold for thirty minutes. I was on hold for thirty minutes. It, it's that feeling. I've if I've never been. Uh, no, Nothing has ever been stolen from me. So it was the first time I've ever felt that feeling. You feel so violated. It's like if someone was to break into your home or take your personal items. I just True story. I yeah. actually couldn't really wrap my, my mind around the way I was feeling. Emotionally, I felt we angry. Both I felt yeah. I started getting emotional. Yeah. I I felt like it was so unjust. I'm like I someone said to me, um, someone recently had their their purse stolen and their license, and then a few days later they came to their house. Because they had their address and robbed their house. And I, when I heard that, I was like, I pray to oh. God 
it's on. this joker comes to my house because I will be waiting for him with both my sons who are six <laughs> foot three. I'm like, God, we've been waiting for you, man. We owe you a little something. <laughs> like, oh, it was so frustrating. Oh, why though? Okay, I was first angry at whoever robbed me, but then the moment you got a little upset. I became so angry at you, I and I probably should apologize. We probably weren't our best selves. I, Are yeah, we apologizing looking, on air? Yeah, right now? looking back, <laughs> you said something smart about like just get a hold of the bank. That's all I need you to do. And I, I just think I said you had one job. You I had one, one job. job, and I'm I lose my so mind cool. all, to all the you women. You have one job. <laughs> I, like that's the last thing I needed to hear. And I can't get a hold of the stinking bank. I can't cancel any cards, and it it just I I was so angry. We're driving home after we talked to police officer. We're still trying to cancel credit cards and it is i mean when i say it's raining it always rains in seattle but it was torrential Boy. downpour and our back window is completely open there's nothing to do i didn't have anything to cover it with i had trying to put a, a plastic bag over it it did nothing and i'm literally listening and watching water pour into our car and i i true story i looked up to heaven i was like really god really <laughs> like, like i literally god's had that conversation fault. with god i'm like of all the nights god tonight it just pours like the end of the world. That, it was such a dramatic moment for both of us. And I'm sure you've, you, maybe you've had worse than your purse stolen, but you have to replace your license, your credit cards. I mean, girls, you feel me? All of your favorite lipsticks are, you know, gone. Everything. Anyway, we were th- four or five days into it and everything's getting we're replaced. We're still recovering. Yeah, they're out there. They just actually fixed the window right now as we're doing this podcast. They're fixing the window on the Lexus. So, we bring all that up. That's kind of what we want to talk about today is um, I wouldn't call this tragedy. This was definitely a bit of a, a personal bummer. crisis. Like, right. oh, man, what a bummer. And it really was a bummer. We're so grateful. Thank God they didn't get like sometimes you'll put your wedding ring in your wallet before yeah. you go to the gym. You oh didn't do that. That would have been terrible. Um, so you didn't have any cash in there. I think you had a gift card for like 50 bucks. But so we are grateful. Please don't misunderstand us. We're actually more embarrassed by the way we acted, I think. Terribly. We you can't win every time. Yep. But want to talk about today kind of like um, how do you how do you handle tragedy? How do we handle crisis? How do we handle pain in life? It happens to all of us. If you haven't had tragedy or crisis, you probably haven't been alive very long or you live in a bubble. And if you do, you're not listening to this podcast, so we're not even talking <laughs> to you. So, but for the rest of us, normal people, like pain, tragedy, crisis, um that's that happens in life and we don't have to look for it because it finds us and I'm not trying to be pessimistic and we're definitely not doing that and I believe that God gets us through those times but it can be difficult man Very and how difficult. do so I think kind of the conversation babe we want to have today is how do you how do you handle that how do you how do you work through those kind of things correct uh, yeah you know for whatever reason um we've went through a season probably about 5 years of some serious pain and tragedy and not just for me personally, but I think just our, you as an individual and then our marriage, our, our baby girl. And so let's just maybe talk about how and what happened a little bit. I, I think for even, I want to touch on a little bit of pain that I went through last year that was extremely painful and difficult for me personally, but it was in 2000 and, um, I think it was 2002 that your dad died. Was that right? 2003, Three, I believe. Yeah. Um, almost 15 years ago. And yeah, I know. That was a journey, and um, if you know Jen and I, I've probably shared this. Sometimes I'll talk in our community at a church, and I've probably shared parts and aspects of that, and I definitely am down to share some of that today. I think it, I think it's beneficial and helps, and God definitely brought us through a season. Um, reading in the Bible, 
um, John 11, which we go to the Bible a lot. If you're you're tuning in the podcast for the first time, we believe in the Bible. You don't have to, by the way. True statement. You really don't have to believe in the Bible um, to be friends with us or this podcast isn't about the Bible. But there's no way we can talk honest conversations about life without including the Bible because it's it's a roadmap for us and it's changed our lives. John 11, the, the shortest scripture verse in the entire Bible is, is two words. And it's, it says this, Jesus wept, which is, you know, if you need to memorize a scripture verse, I, I recommend that one because it's really easy. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, but the context of it is his best friend, one of his, I don't not his best friend, but a good friend of his, a family friend, would have been like family, had died. And the guy's name was Lazarus. We'll just call him Laz. So Laz is dead and Jesus is gone to kind of, you know, be there. And he gets news of it. He shows up. Lazarus has been dead for a few days. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, who are good family friends of Jesus, they come and they're crying and they're upset. And they're like, if you had been here, maybe Lazarus would have lived. And it's interesting. It's in that context that the scripture records that Jesus wept. Which I always felt like, why would Jesus weep? Because if you know the the end of this story, Jesus is actually going to go to the tomb where Lazarus has been dead. He's going to, he's going to, speak to heaven in front of everyone, and he's going to call Lazarus forth, and he actually raises him from the dead. That's the story. That's what happens in Scripture. And so Lazarus is going to walk out of the tomb. They're going to take off the grave clothes, and he lives a flourishing life for what we know. So Jesus knows that because Jesus is man, but he's also fully God. So Jesus knows very well how this plays out, and yet the Scriptures record that Jesus wept. And so Jesus... And I've always wondered, why would you cry if you know that the outcome, like if I knew. Totally. If you if, know it's going to. Hey, it's going to work out. End. Like in just a few hours, we're going to be sitting around a table partying and celebrating the fact that you're alive again. Right. Like, you know, we're going to be having drinks and we're going to be dancing. And so why would Jesus weep? And I think it's just the honest truth. Jesus wept because the pain is real. Pain. Is so real. Is real. And I think there's some people in Christendom that think we can't acknowledge pain, that like it's a lack of faith to admit that you, you're, you're hurting. For instance, I mean, growing up in the church like I did, there was people that like if you were to injure yourself, like I've, I've broken lots of bones in my body playing football and just being in sports. And like if I were to say like, oh, man, I think I broke my ankle, the people would like correct me, no, you didn't. Your ankle's not broken. I'm like, yeah, I think it is because, like, I can see the bone sticking out, right? <laughs> right. Like, no, it's not. Like, that, that's a bad confession. You say your ankle is whole. I'm like, but it's not whole. It's, like, right. it's it's bleeding. Ridiculous. Gonna, you know? it's ridiculous. And I would get so frustrated yeah. with super spiritual people, like, don't confess that. And I think they took it too far. Like, I think it's okay to be like, you know, it's broken, and I'm believing it's going to heal quickly. I'm believing it's not going to be. I think we can still, like, believe the best. But this whole idea that we can't acknowledge pain, that we can't acknowledge when things that are bad are actually bad. Um, I just, I don't subscribe to it. And Jesus clearly didn't either because Jesus wept. So I think there'd be a lot of faith people out there that are like, why are you crying, man? That's a bad confession. Like you need to be strong. You need to believe. And he's, Jesus knew full well that it was going to work out. He wasn't crying because he was hopeless. He was crying because the pain was real. And he's saying, Hey, I think there's times where we just need to cry. It hurts. And that's kind of, you know... It's been a bit of our journey. There's been a lot of crying, a lot of pain. Um, I think tears can be hopeless, and I mm-hmm. think tears can also have purpose. You know, I think one of the ways to kind of relieve yourself is tears. Just getting into it, thinking about um, 15 years ago, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And pancreatic cancer, which is the bad kind of cancer, I'll never forget. And family, we believed, we prayed. I got six brothers and sisters. We very much would be like... 
your quintessential kind of mafia Italian family. We joke about it. We aren't in the mafia, but really are. if you hung out with us, you might think we were. Like we're just big personalities. We're very loving. We're very protective of family. When you're with us, you're family. My dad was that guy. So he may not have been the best at everything in his life, but he was a really good dad. And oh, all my brothers was. and sisters would say that. And we've all had different experiences with him, but universally, dad was a good dad. And my mom was a great mom. She's still alive today. Love you very much, mom. But um, I remember he died. We prayed. We believed Pretty that he suddenly. would live. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we had a moment there after about a year that the cancer went into remission. And we celebrated like crazy. I mean, we were like, God answered our prayers. We were very, it was kind of like, it kind of was a huge letdown because we got so high of thinking like God answered our prayers. And then it would be like two months later, the cancer would come back and he would just go very quickly. And I'll never forget it. And I remember um, just the feelings. We actually believed that. He was our hero. He was the hero of the family. He was just like, in some sense, like the rock star of the family. He was just unbelievable in every way. Right. And, and we all had huge. a lot of faith. And I remember being like to the bitter end. Like I remember even being at his funeral thinking like he could still he could still be raised from the dead like Lazarus. Like I I think we all kind of believe that. The family even had a pep talk before the ceremony, like, hey, I think dad's you know like, Which I think is which I kind we of am, I feel a little yeah, we yeah. definitely were in denial. I feel we I, mean, I can believe for people well. to be raised from the dead. I think we were missing it. I think we were we were just we were blinded by like, hey, we just could not accept the fact that we had lost That dad. God would allow him to die. And that's what it was. And I'll never forget. I never would have thought, you know, after I was 26, and I was a pastor. I've been a pastor since I was 20. I never would have thought that I would have had a crisis of faith. But I did in such a hard way. And I'll never forget when it began. We did the ceremony. We actually had two ceremonies, one in Atlanta where we lived, and then one back in east Baltimore. in Baltimore where mm-hmm. my father was born, I was born, another brother was born. We had a lot of extended family. Again, we're kind of in the mafia. So we had two ceremonies. Forget but I'll it. never forget at the graveside, my brother Benjamin, uh, we call him Benny. He's, uh, he was 16, which I can't imagine being 16 years old and losing your dad. And my dad would have been like a best friend to my, my brother Ben for sure. And we're standing there. And we're watching him put my dad six feet deep in the ground. And Benny says to me, explain this to me. Explain this to me. Because Ben had believed, too, that God would heal my dad, that he would save my dad. And I remember looking at Benny, and I said this statement, and there was so much sarcasm and cynicism laced in it. I said, this is a test of faith, Ben, and you just passed. How do you like them apples? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly what I said. And that was the beginning of a very dark season for me of where I kind of metaphorically threw both middle fingers up to heaven and blamed God for taking my dad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so this is, this is the game. This is faith. We believe you kill the people we love, but because we fought the good fight of faith, I guess we, we, we did it. And I was like, I don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of this. I can't believe in a God that would allow my dad to die. I can't save my dad. If I could have, I would have. But God could have, and he didn't. And I could not wrap my mind around that. And I had a crisis of faith. And I think a lot of people get to those places. I know we're talking really blunt, and I obviously don't feel that way today. But I remember I couldn't answer the question why. So it was nine months. Nine months I tried to resign. We almost lost our marriage. You were amazing. And that's really another story but, but I mean, to the point, I guess, just so that they could maybe wrap the listeners could wrap their mind about how bad it was. I mean, you you attempt the thought of suicide was real for you. I remember you telling me at one point it was so dark that you sat in front of a railroad track 
thinking, the railroad tracks it, in front of the cemetery where my dad was buried. It'd be just easier just to kind of pull the for car. Hours, and trains would come by every 30 yeah. minutes. And I would keep the car in drive and just think about letting my foot off the ga- off the brake and just roll into it. And which is crazy to think, but it was so real. The pain, yeah. the, the pain darkness was so heavy. You had faced, um, yeah. and that's what tragedy. That's what tragedy does to us. And I, it was all for me. It was all centered around this question of why, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Which I think that's a question that all of us ask. Like, why did it have that? Why did why did we go bankrupt? Why did my parents have to get a divorce? You know, you put your, your own scenarios. This. Why did so and so get injured? Why did they have the sickness? Why did this happen? Why did someone abuse me? Why? Like, there's so many and. I don't know that there's an answer. I'm reminded in the Bible, Job. Um, Job 38 uh, is a guy in the Bible, and he literally lost everything in like one fell swoop. And he begins to ask God, like, why? For a long time, Job kind of holds it together. But finally, he's just like, why is this happening to me? And he kind of says this to God. It had been better, better had I never been born. I, I wish I'd never even been born to experience all this pain and tragedy. Which is so real. And so he says to God, why? And in Job 38, um, God kind of, here's how God answers his question, which I think is super mafia of God. And he is the original Godfather, but he, <laughs> he says, he says this, and I'll just, I kind of, I kind of wrote down or I just, I copied and pasted from, um, the U version Bible onto my phone. He says, who is this that obscures my plans and my words? Like, he's like, who Aren't is this you? joker? talking to me this is god he's like good language, and he yeah. says to, he says you brace yourself like a man and i'm gonna ask you a couple questions this is god he's like who are you asking me why l- l- let me ask you a couple questions and i just kind of wrote some of these questions that god says he goes where were you when i laid the earth's foundation tell me if you understand like who marked off its dimensions and he goes surely you know and he's like huh. it's almost like god's getting sarcastic yeah with right he goes, who shut the sea up behind the doors? Um, who said this far you may go to its proud waves and no further? Wow. He's like, tell me this because you've been alive for so many years. Like this is God kind of mocking Job. He goes, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea? Have you walked in the recesses of the darkness? He goes, can you comprehend the vast expanses of the earth? He's like, what is the way to the abode of, of light? light. <laughs> Not life, Light. light. <laughs> He goes, where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? And he says this, surely you know, because you were born and you've lived for so many years. Like, I mean. He's like so sarcastic. Oh, yeah. And I don't think God could actually be sarcastic. But the language He goes off on Job for an entire chapter. Some of the best reading in the Bible. Go to Job 38 and just read it. Like, God just goes off on him. Like, and essentially what he's saying is like, hey, man, you answer some of these questions. Like, where are the, where is the hail um, stored for hailstorms. Like he goes, you answered these questions for me. And when you can answer those questions, when you're at my level, then I will answer your questions. Wow. But until then, be quiet because I'm God and you're not. Essentially what I feel like the Bible was saying is like, if I told you why, your head would explode, right? <laughs> yeah. Because he's God. And the reasons why things happen, I think sometimes they're just way beyond us. And that was kind of, I had to come to that point in my life, this personal thing, and we could talk about that later, of how, um, you know, I was never really going to get the answer why bad things happen. But it wasn't so much the why, it's the who. It's not why do bad things happen, but who is with you in the midst of those in the bad midst things. Of it. And, you know, you said later on, years after all of this, that, you know, your faith was in your faith, and your faith wasn't in God. It's almost like because your faith didn't measure up to your expectation, it kind of died when your dad was buried that day. Totally. My faith, I, I believed in my ability to believe. 
I didn't believe in the goodness of God. And that's why when my brother somehow that he would take this pain and tragedy and somehow work it to good. It's like, and if, and if you say it to someone who's in the midst of it, that's just the wrong thing to say. But now what are we like, what are we like 18 years later? Yeah. 15. It's 15 years later. It's like, we can see the hand of God. And that's my brother's question at 16. That's what triggered me. He said, explain this to me. And the truth of it is I couldn't explain it. Right. Couldn't explain it to him. I couldn't explain it to myself. And I got caught there. And I think a lot of people, when it comes to pain, tragedy, crisis, we get caught in like, explain it. And like when they broke into our car, like there's no good reason. It's not fair. Totally right? not fair. And that's so minimal compared to the real tragedies in life. But you know what I'm saying? You it's can't like, explain it. You... It wasn't fair that my dad died. It wasn't fair. It's not fair that you lost all your money. It's not fair. Like, it's not fair. But to just get caught up on trying to explain it, it's not going to help any of us. I'll never forget. You said, you know, in the moment, people can't hear it. I remember a few months after my dad had died, uh, an intern that was serving in our church, a really great guy, meant well, super young. I think he was 19. He comes up to me. He's like, yo, Pastor B, sorry to hear about your pops. I already wanted to punch him in the face, right? <laughs> like already. I was like, listen, dude. And I was in a bad place. Like I was the guy you don't want to be talking to at that point. I was mean. I don't, uh, you know, I owe a lot of people a lot of apologies and have for that nine months of just being a really terrible person. And he said, yo, I got a scripture verse for you, though. And I just looked at him, and I, it was everything not to punch him right square in the face and just break his, his face open. He goes, yo, Romans 8, 28, God works all things to good, you know? And I literally, I almost cursed at him. I almost want to be like, really, just, man? Like, you think I don't know wrong that? wrong timing. Like, God works all things. Like, I want to be like, say that to my dead dad, and say it to me one more time. Say it one more time. You know, like, it was, <laughs> yeah. and he meant well. I can't get totally. mad at that guy. And he was, a he good, was just a young guy. guy trying to, like, be positive. And I'll never forget, I was like, you don't know what I'm going through. I'll never forget, years in later, we, a woman in our church who we love and respect, she would lose her husband. Just one night, just would lose him. Yeah, just a man bigger than life. Yeah, and he just died. He just had a heart thing, and he died. And it was a tragedy. And a year later, on the same day, her firstborn son would also die. I mean, just kind of unspeakable stuff, right? And this woman, I would watch her after after those years, and she just had this faith and this joy. She was still funny. She still worshipped God. And I remember saying to her once, I said, can you tell me, like, what, how? And this was way after my father died, and we had come through that. And But I was like, how? Like, I'm just, you you inspire me. You amaze me. How do you have such joy? And I knew it was God, but I just wanted to hear her say, and she said this to me. She goes, well, Billy, Romans 8, 28. And my God works all things to good mm-hmm. for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. She used the same verse that that intern did, but coming from her mouth, completely it, different. Like I, I almost teared up. And it's almost like sometimes truth registers best on the other side of complexity. It's like when you've been through it and you've learned and God has walked through those deep, dark, places. painful places with you, it's like all of a sudden your mess does have a meaning and there's a meaning to it. And I think that's where you say, like, there's a time and place. So when people come to me in tragedy now, and we do the same thing, like, I'm very slow to be like, hey, man, let me give you a scripture verse. Yeah. What I'm quick to say is, like, I'm so sorry. I Just hug them. grieve with them. I love you. Yeah. I, I know it hurts. I tr- please believe me that God is with you. And that's kind of all we'll say. You know, I think there's a time and place. Um, but, babe, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, this last two years or whatever. I know you've gone through some pain and, 
uh, personally, and we've gone through it together. We do it all together, and you were there for me in my dark hours, and I, and I thank God I could be there for you in your dark hours. We, it, we both there were dark hours for both of us, and both totally. times. But maybe some of the things that you've learned from that, or some of your experiences. Yeah, it was about a year ago. A year ago, um, about the season that it was probably the darkest time of my life personally. personally I'll probably yeah. get <laughs> get emotional, but I think over the years, the five year period, you. I had heart surgery. Your dad died. I think that's the order. And then our dad died, heart surgery. And then our daughter, Serenity, had brain surgery. I was born with hydrocephalus, right? And then uh, coming out of uh, a church that was not a little bit controlling. And we moved from Atlanta to, to Seattle. And I think a year ago, I I had one of the worst fights of our life. And it was really because of all of me. I mean, there was obviously takes two to fight, but I had, I had not dealt with some pain in my life and personal pain, pain that we as women don't talk about. Um, it was a kind of, kind of season for me where I, I grew up in a great house and a Christian family, but I had some real trust issues. And for all the girls out there, they're all going to be like, and so do I. Hmm. But it was the kind of trust issues where it wasn't like I didn't believe someone when they said something. It was just that it was this internal uh, uh, angst inside of me where it projected um, suspicion. It projected distrust really solely with you. It did, it did in the last year start coming out with my kids a little bit, but it was really, it was wearing you down. And I think we would fight through it and then we'd be okay for a while. So finally, I, I mean, if I can say it, it, everything just hit the fan, you know, and um, you just said enough is enough. And I, I really knew at that point it was, I'm like, whatever is wrong with me, I'm going to figure this out. And I came to the end of myself of, um, you know, trying to fix myself. Um, not that I, I knew I couldn't fix myself, but I thought, oh, I don't need outside counsel. I have good friends. I have family and people who did speak into my life. But that was the first time I really got um, counseling for the very first time. Um, we had gone to marriage counseling a couple times. It was right. great, but I hadn't done something on an ongoing basis. And I would just say to anyone who's listening, go get counseling. I'm so grateful that I'm about to be 40 and that I, I started dealing with this stuff now. And it's like it was like I needed to peel back the layers of my heart. I had a trust issue from my childhood. I had things that were affecting me, and I couldn't grow. It was like I got to a certain point in my journey, in my marriage, in my life, with work, everything. I couldn't get past that barrier. And it wasn't until I really just let it all just kind of hang out in the best way possible and started working towards peeling back the layers of my heart and, and asking the tough questions like, why am I not trusting my husband? Why do I, you know, project suspicion? Why do I feel this way? And yeah. I came to a place where um, I think God really met me. And it was a painful, it's always so hard to take the time to look deep within your soul. And if, if you're there right now, or if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's easy to kind of just fix some things and kind of move on with life. And I had kids very young. I, I had a successful business and things, you know, were awesome, but I never gave myself permission to start looking at things in me. Right. And you were, you went through so many years of pain and we personally did as a family. It was almost like, okay, I could finally give myself permission to get help. And I did. I did. And it was a game changer. I had to do whatever it took to get the necessary help. And I think a lot of people can relate with what you're saying, regardless of their situations. And I, I love the fact that 
um, first of all, I love you and I'm so grateful for you. And I, the season was hard for both of us. And, um, you know, I fell more in love with you as you just owned the fact, first of all, that you can't fix yourself. And I think we all need to own that fact in life. And then also that you had done some things that had really hurt us, you know, certainly I had too. And someone told me one time, just do the, the next right thing. Don't try to do everything. Yeah. Don't try to fix everything. That's Don't try to thought. look at everything. Just do what's next. Right. And for me, that was what it was. It's like, okay, I need to figure out why I feel this way all the time. I want to f- figure out why I struggle with the trust issue. And it was the next thing. And I think for me, it was like taking one step in front of the other to heal my soul in areas that I had never really given myself permission to do so. And I think if you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? And I've said that a lot over the years, probably in talks, but you lived that out. Like at some point, we just have to be honest with ourselves. And change is hard. If change was easy, everyone would do it, right? Right. Totally. I mean, Pastor Wendell, who is like the godfather, right? The founding pastor of He he said that. He quoted that. If change was easy, everyone would do it. And when it comes to self-change, self, you know, fixing or, or, you know, figuring things out. It's, it, it's, if it was easy, we would do it. And it wasn't easy for me. And it took some serious work. And, um, honestly we can look back, you know, and you think about, you know, we, we talked about Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things to good, which in the midst of pain can almost be insulting, like, but it's real. And I even think it's only been a year or two since you kind of went through what, you know, what you've described here. And, um, and it, we can already see the good. We can see the good in our marriage. You know, I think Absolutely. we were we were taking a walk the other day, and I was like, I, I think our marriage is the best it's ever been, which is crazy. And I think, but it's because we've gone through so much together, and we've been honest with each other. And God, I mean, you, God has walked with us and helped us and helped you change and helped me change. And so you can actually see how like we're actually better for it. Like yep. that pain, which was real. And I think if we ignore it, which I'm so glad you didn't. You know, and maybe you did for a little while, which was it really brought us to a point where it's like, I don't think we can go any further until we just acknowledge like, hey, this is real. We're going to have to face it. And um, it's been really health healthy for us. And I love you very much. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks. And I just want to encourage anybody who's listening and you're gone. You've gone through some personal tragedy, uh, maybe just even physical uh, tragedy. But then and also maybe you're dealing with personal inward pain. I would encourage you just take the next step. Get the help you need. Do whatever whatever it takes to grow. It's so worth it. I'm on the other side of it right now, and I just see life different. I, I'm like, I'm 40. Anything's possible. I don't feel held back anymore within, and it's it's been incredible. And we're humans, and we have to realize there's a vulnerability to us. There's a fragility to us. We're kind like, of scared to go there. Yeah, come on. Like, no one's perfect, and um, I always, I've always subscribe to this thought that like following Jesus isn't so much about my ability to hold on to God. It's God holding on to me. In fact, I would say like, uh, faith for me is me holding on to him, holding on to me. Right. And I remember when Serenity was just a little girl, we'd, our daughter, we'd go down to the waterfront here in Seattle and I'd put her on my shoulders and she would just, she's like two years old. And you remember this, she would just squeeze the life out of my head. Like her fingers would be in my eyes. Start poking your eyes oh, out. And she and I was like, Serenity, please. <laughs> you know, and she was so afraid she was gonna fall. And she was convinced in her little two year old mind that she was holding on to me. Whereas in fact, like my palms literally could completely wrap around her thighs. She couldn't have fallen off if she tried. In fact, 20 men couldn't have pulled her off my shoulders, right? Like there's no way that girl's fallen. Right. But in her two year old mind, the only way she was staying on those shoulders is if she her death grip on my head. And, you know, and I was like, baby, I've got you. And I think sometimes we go through life thinking like, 
we have to hold on to God, like hold on through hard times, through pain, through tragedy. Like you better hold on. Well, the truth of it is, it's just not, it's not realistic. You've learned that. I've learned that. I think many of the people listening have learned that. Like at some point, your grip is going to loosen, man. Like you just can't be on every day. All the time. You can't do it. Um, But realizing that it's God holding on to us. So really it's, I'm holding on to the truth. You know what the beauty of that is then you, you let go. You know, and I think yeah, for me, I had to us. let go inwardly to allow the change to begin. Yeah. And maybe I would ask, like, what do you need to let go of? How, how, how can you get whole and healed? It's probably wrapped up in what you need to let go of. I love it. And if you're, if you're currently wrestling with the question, why? Why do bad things happen? Or maybe you're going through a hard time. Please know that our prayers are with you. And, um, but I would encourage you to not be so wrapped up on why, but focus on who. You may never get the answer to why. I'm not sure why my dad had to die at the age of 53 from cancer, but I do know who was with me through it all. I do know who loved me even when I was kind of unlovable, and that's Jesus, and God is always with us. And so um, I hope that this has been encouraging for you. We've been pretty vulnerable here. This is more of a, a serious... emotional. <laughs> yeah, I love that, that you cry. Um, it's more of a serious podcast, but I hope it's helpful. And uh, here's to, yes, thank here's you to for better listening. days ahead of us. Best days are yet to yes. come. Cheers. Here's to coffee. Love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.